Welcome back to the Game of Influence, everyone. All right, listen, normally I just dive right in and I want to start this episode a little bit different because this interview is something that I have been looking forward to for months and months and is probably one of the most uh, fascinating topics, something that I'm looking forward to more than than anything that I've talked about on the show in quite some time. I have a very, very special guest here today, and we are going to get hopefully really controversial. That's why I'm, I'm hoping for this. This is going to be so exciting. Um, I have on with me Alan. And Alan, how do you pronounce your last name? I apologize. Wiederhold. Alan Wiederhold. Okay. So oh, I have on here Alan Wiederhold, right? Did I get that right? All right. Okay. Yeah. Alan Wiederhold. And I want to give a quick background, a quick context to this. Okay. Um, Alan built an insurance company starting in 2019, $30 million in revenue in the process, nearly wrecked his marriage. A uh, 32-year-old son that was addicted to drugs, was incarcerated by the grace of God, just celebrated his 25th wedding anniversary with his wife. He also went to Bible college. He has this, this very, I'm going to let him fill in the blanks of all this. He has this very broad um, resume, if you will. But what fascinated me about this interview and, and why Alan is on here is because we were at an event together out in California. And while we were at dinner, we started talking about Jesus and God, because of course we did. What else would I talk about? And the concept of heaven and hell, what's real, what's not came up. And Alan looked at me and said, well, like, do you believe that hell is real? And I'm like, well, of course I believe hell is real. I went to church, right? And he lugs like, okay, well, have you actually read what the Bible said? And I was like, no, so I should probably do that. And so anyway, that started a long journey. We're going to be talking today about the concept of what's real, what's not in the context of heaven and hell. I actually have no idea where this conversation is going to go. I'm incredibly excited about this. But if you are a religious, you know, Jesus loving, Bible loving, not like I am, uh, buckle up. And if we, you're not, we, still we. buckle up we, like we are, like we are, like, like Alan and I are. Um, yeah. So with that being said, I want to introduce Alan to the show. Alan, welcome to the Game of Influence. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm looking forward to this. Oh my God, my my pleasure. This, you're right. This is a long time coming. And I think actually the week that I came back from that event, uh, I recorded an episode of my podcast, uh, The Cost of Doing Nothing, talking about this very topic of what do you believe? Because I think Christians, we believe almost everything that we're told, but we never question anything. Yep. Yep. hundred so percent. So you and I had this conversation. We're at dinner and I'm listening to you challenging somebody about their position with Jesus and walk me through that conversation. Do you remember that conversation? Oh man, I feel like I was talking to three people, but yeah, sure. yeah, I was, I was really going through and pushing people on the, the concept of Jesus specifically versus just God, kind of God in general, and whether or not like, uh, you know, like how someone is going to live out and minister to Christ or minister the word of God. Um, I don't know if there's a specific details or, or specifically that no, you but remember, so, but so that was great because I remember the fire that you had. Yeah, uh, and that was the one thing I was looking over, and I'm like, man, I just met this guy. Uh, it was his first. I think it was your first event uh, yeah. with us. Uh, we had kind of built a community, a little tight knit group of people, and I remember the fire. Uh, I was like, wow, yeah. this guy is so amazing. He's so passionate, but he has zero idea what he actually knows and believes. So you said something about the Word of God. Uh, how often do you read the Word of God? Uh, multiple times a week. Multiple times a week. So do you read it today? as a 21st century oppressor or do you read it the way that it was written for a 
particular person, place, thing with traditions and customs that were actually going on? Okay, I have to answer this question, but I have to give context to this question, okay? Because this is, I told you this just before the interview. When we got back from uh, that event, right? And I got back to church. My, my pastor takes a, a sabbatical every year um, and he has, came back and we start this new series. It's on like spiritual warfare and, and demons and all this crazy stuff, right? It's amazing. But one of the first things that he said, it was either like the first or second week, is he talked about this exact topic, which he's like, hey, we read the Bible and we try to apply the Bible to our, you know, modern day life instead of applying, you know, our modern day life, like back to the Bible, right? And understanding this context in the time of which it was written. And it was the first time that anyone had ever like positioned it or said it like that. So I'm going to answer that question two ways to say up until about two months ago, I read the Bible as applying it to today and basically being like, oh, this is what we're supposed to do with it today. And now I am very much shifting. I started that book that you gave me um, or that you recommended the, what is Bible. the Bible or yeah. is, that, is that the one it was? Yeah. yeah. So I started that and like, I'm like, my mind is blown. So that's my answer to your question. Very new in that way. Yeah, I love it because I, I think that, that's the context of why we're having this conversation. So yeah. when you actually go back to the historical perspective, when the Bible was actually written, you got to remember, before the, the, the Gutenberg press, uh, most of this was oral. Uh, I, I mean, a local village would have been lucky to have a scroll. Uh, and that scroll would have been something that they would have memorized. So the Jewish people at that time, everything was oral. In fact, the first five books of the Bible weren't even written down in the way that we would think about written down for the first 500 years, they were already in captivity in Babylon. Mm. So that navigates, if you can kind of think about it, if you're in captivity and you're sharing a story from a people who are oppressed, it's going to look a little different than if you're the oppressor. Uh, not yeah. that we whitewash everything here, yeah. but there's a version that, that's yeah. actually going on. So when we talk about the Bible, when we talk about hell, when we talk about heaven, we got to go back to what the original story of the Bible was. Mm. It, it was a, a man and a woman walking in the garden and they sinned. Mm. Can, I, that, I want to pause right here for my own sake. Just really, I want to, I want to lay some, not ground rules, but like, I want to make sure that we're on the same page, especially sure. because I'm probably going to listen to this interview like 10 times. <laughs> you, okay. You believe, like, I just want to make sure like, like I know where, where you stand on things so that I know the context that you're coming from. You believe in the God of the Bible. Yes. Oh, hundred percent. Jesus of the Bible. Mm -hmm. yep. Jesus died on the cross for our sins. He is the savior of the universe, King of Kings, Lord of Lords. We can 100%. get to Christ through him. Yes. Correct. Okay. Love this. That's the most important thing. We're good. You believe in the Trinity? Uh, 100%. 100%. Okay. When it comes to the Bible specifically, do you believe that the Bible is the word of God and is absolutely true? Yes, I do. Okay. So do you believe? But I also believe that a lot of what we interpret Right. It's a little bit different than what it was actually right. hundred percent. But I just want to make sure that like, 100%. regardless of our interpretation, the Bible and how it was designed and written was written, God inspired, but it is, it is God's word. And it is absolutely true in the context upon which it was written. Yes. Yes. 100%. Okay, cool. So with that being said, now, now that we have those ground rules, yeah. now we can kind of, kind of dive in further. I will continue. I just want to make sure. Okay. So, so we have a greater story. Uh, and it's actually a, a bigger and more beautiful story than just what we talk about when we think about sin uh, okay. and when we think about Christianity. So we've got, we've got this guy and this girl 
They're made in God's image. And what immediately happens? They eat a fruit. But what happens with that fruit? It becomes a spiritual death. It's ego. It's, it's everything that you and I had that morning walk and talk conversation is the ego. It's the fear. It's the depression. It's the worth conversation. Mm. All of these things separated us from God. So, so what does God do? God kicks them out of the garden east of Eden. So they are separate from God at that point. So the entire Bible in its beauty is God bringing us back into a covenant relationship with him. So it, it's a it's a bigger story than just the the sin thing, and we'll kind of talk about that as we navigate this conversation. But I truly believe that if you read the Bible as it was written during that time, God is wanting a body of people to commune with and have a relationship with. I, and I, I believe that as well. And I believe that um, one of the things our pastor is going through right now, dude. I want to hear, I want to dive into some of your story and how you know this stuff, like your, you know, like your journey through Bible college and stuff. So we, we get to this, but for quick context of who I'm learning from, like I live in right between Denver and Boulder. We're talking like one of the most liberal parts of the country. Like I am like 10 minutes from Boulder, right? And I go to a church. It's a big church. And uh, Pastor Jim is his name. Uh, like this guy is up there. He's he's bald. He's jacked. He is covered in tattoos, and he is sold out for Jesus, dude. Like I'm talking, like this guy is just like Love this it. is what the Bible says, right? Yeah, this is what the Bible <laughs> says. You got a problem with it? Take it up with Jesus, right? I'm just the messenger here, right? And it is is absolutely incredible. And one of the things that he said was, he said, if you read the first, it was either two chapters or three chapters of the Bible. He's like the first two chapters of the Bible or two or three are the exact same as the last two or three, right? It's like coming back to the garden. And so when he's saying this, I'm like, I gotta talk to Alan. I gotta talk to Alan, right? Like, because uh, th this was part of our conversation. Give me some backstory and some context of how you discovered this, how you know this stuff. And I want to get into the topic specifically of hell, um, and you know what's right or what's real about that, because I have so many questions specifically around that topic. Give me some context, though. What's your Absolutely. background in this? How'd you get into it? So I am, um, without getting into, well, no, let's get into everything. So I, um, I, I grew up in a really uh, amazing Hispanic family. Uh, I was Catholic until I was nine. Uh, and during that time, my mom and dad became born again, Pentecostal, charismatic Christians. Uh, and at that time, I think in the eight, 70s and 80s. Yeah, buddy. Everything was a sin. And I'm not exaggerating, everything. I remember when Kristen Rock came out and I, I had someone who gave me, his name was Rick Kua. And I can't remember if he was like a guitarist for Grand Funk Railroad or, or something like that. But yeah, yeah. Sin. There was no way that God could be in any of the stuff. 100% no. If there was a beat, it was bad. Yeah, 100%. Then we went into the backward masking thing. So I, so I grew up in this environment. And, and I remember the hellfire and brimstone conversations at the pulpit from a very early age. Well, the, the unfortunate or hard part about that, though, is that I was molested from the time I was five to seven. Ugh, I'm so, uh, sorry so, so you're dealing with a sin conversation, but then you're dealing with all of these other things that are going on. And, and how can you attain to this God who is this overseer who, who wants to throw you in hell, who, who has put these parameters on your life? So I grew up thinking that way. Uh, you know, through high school. And, and finally, my mom and dad had gone away to Bible college. My dad was so on fire that he was doing missionary work all over the country. Uh, and then he went all over the world. He went to Guatemala, super passionate about starting this church. Um, and this was, he was, he, he similar message though. This is the message he's bringing right. of like fire brimstone. Uh -huh. Yep. Mm -hmm. no, fire brimstone. So, yep. uh, so he went to Bible college. I graduated from high school, didn't know what I wanted to do with my life. So I just followed suit. Uh, it was kind of like my dad called and I went. Uh, 
But God had actually called me in the seventh grade. Uh, God had said that I was going to go into the ministry. I didn't understand what that meant. Uh, I just knew that I had this calling per se. And I ran. Uh, I mean, I ran far. So when I went to Bible college, and I remember going into uh, this class about Revelation and learning that, hey, this isn't really an, an, apocaly an apocalyptic book. It's actually a letter from my pastor to his church. And he's encouraging them. And the way that we read it today was kind of like backward masking and, and all of these other things. This is but, Revelation. And this is Revelation. Yeah, so yeah. this mm -hmm. is a guy who's writing about something that they would have understood at that time. Uh, we're reading it today. And we're reading a 666. We're reading uh, The Garden. <laughs> we're, I mean, we're reading all this crazy stuff. So I started questioning even back then, like, why do I believe what I believe? And, and I would push my dad and challenge my dad. And we would have these long conversations about this, about hell, about Gehenna, about Satan, about Lucifer, uh, all of these interesting conversations that we're going to talk about today. So first one, Lucifer. Where oh, hold on, name? sorry, a couple, couple, couple quick questions sure. on this. When, uh, what, what Bible college did you go to? I went to Christ for the Nations okay. uh, in Dallas, Texas. Okay, in Dallas, Texas. And charismatic jumping pews. We would literally have these prayer sessions that would go 24 hours. And when, <laughs> dude, I texted one of my friends last night about something and he sends me a, he sends me a, a, a text or a video of him in church. And that's literally the whole church is like going up and down like this. And he's, that's not him. He was just, there's like a guest or whatever, but it was so funny. Um, and like, I, I love it. I love it. Um, teach their own. But when, when did you, like, when did you decide, I don't want to say, when did you give like two questions? When did you give your life to Christ initially? And when do you feel like your belief in who God, Christ, the Bible, Revelation, all, when did that shift, both, both timelines? So I, I became a, a Christian, I think I was nine, uh, when my mom and dad went to this Pentecostal thing. And, and I remember I was talking to another pastor friend of mine, and we were uh, talking about the gifts of the Spirit. Okay. And uh, I remember coming home and my parents being super excited about the gifts of the Spirit and, and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Um, at nine, you really don't have an understanding of what that is. Uh, no so yeah, I, I'm kind of rolling through life. I go to Bible college. I leave Bible college. I still have zero idea what I'm going to do with my life. I definitely didn't want that after everything that I've learned. Um, so I went in the military. Uh, I went in the military, went right to the Gulf War. I got out, went to college, met my beautiful wife at that time and started to build a business. Forgot completely about God. I had no interest mm -hmm. in God. So I had so, at, so when you left Bible study or Bible college, you're not like, yeah, Jesus, let's go. You're just like, okay, I went, check the box, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. Which is crazy because I remember being outside, love the 80s. Uh, I love being outside of concerts and witnessing to people on the street, but telling them they were wrong and they were going to hell. And that there was so I bought into all of that too. So so mm. when I started to build a company and start being successful. My first sales job, I was number one, money started coming in, success, house, all the stuff that you and I were talking about. Amazingness, um, right? Yeah. I, my family didn't come from money. Yeah. So I had this chip on my shoulder, this, this ax to grind, if you will, and yep. none of it included God. So here I am now, I'm 22, maybe 20 years into my marriage, got everything. I mean, I about a plane, house, you name it, we have it. My life was empty. Like mm. it was going nowhere. Wow. Um, I have a beautiful son who's 32, who's finally eight years clean. I've got a seven and nine year old that my wife and I started over and there was no connection there. 
Uh, I, I remember there was a there was a scene that still plays in my mind, and we just talked about this Tuesday at our anniversary dinner. Which, We're by literally- the way, I just want to celebrate that. Like, twenty five years, congratulations, dude. That's amazing. Um, I'm two and a half years in, and I'm like, twenty five years. That's so exciting. So, congratulations. And I appreciate that. She uh, she has pushed me to a limit uh, to make me be the version that I um, that she saw me from the very beginning, which which was amazing. So anyway, so we're we're standing at this dishwasher in this house, beautiful home that we have, and that dishwasher might have been Abraham's bosom, or it might have been the ends of the earth cavern between the two of us because we were both isolated. And neither one of us wanted to communicate. We were both alone. Both of us wanted to reach our hands out to each other, but neither one of us would. Yeah. Uh, so we just kept drifting. And I, I think at some point we were both kind of wondering, should we just call it? Should we just, yeah. is one going to say it? But then I was driving by a church uh, and, and I, I was driving by and I heard a voice say, you need to go in. Uh, I'm not that smart. So normally you got to tell me things a few times. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. <laughs> Same. My yeah. wife does it all the time. I told you twice. Yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> yep. so I drove by again and, and I hear the same thing, go in. Uh, and then I hear it again the third time. And now my wife's in Florida. She's running a half marathon. I have my kids who I think at the time were, uh, they were like three and five. And I'm like, hey guys, we're going to church. And they're like, kind of like where? Uh, so we went in and and it was just this feeling of God coming over me. And I remember them saying, welcome home. Mm. And I remember for the very first time feeling like, that God was the God that understood that God who wanted to have communion with me, who wanted to take me back to the garden. It was a, it was a crazy feeling. So you apply this business thing that I've got, you apply this newfound, incredible feeling. uh, And then you have the reality of what you already know. So you combine all those. It's almost a perfect storm. (laughs) Yeah. 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 So the biggest problem I, I feel in churches, uh, and this is no disrespect to pastors. I have a lot of friends who are pastors. Uh, yeah. Ironically, I just became ordained. I'm doing my first marriage next month. Uh, Congratulations. Oh, that's so, awesome. So here we are, full circle. Uh, and um, God is calling me to the ministry after all. But um, you have these conversations with churches where I do, I, I think they do a really nice job of salvation, but they do a really, really bad job of liberation because mm-hmm. they contain so many rules and change and things that go with it wow um, that's good yeah I, that's not what i thought you were going to say but that's amazing yeah okay continue so we get down we get bogged with these rules and these and these things and and, and i think that the best analogy of this is do you remember the story of the good samaritan yeah so do you remember what the road of samaria looks like it, it's literally a strip on the side of a mountain that when Jesus was telling the story, the readers would have heard it and said, Oh my God, it's a very narrow road. If they're going to go to the other side of the road, they're going to fall off the cliff. Mm. But we don't think about, we think when you hear the word road, what comes to mind for you? I mean, either a two lane road out in the country or a highway. Yeah. A long road, yeah. Not, yeah. not a dirt path around Samaria. Yeah. Where literally would have fallen off the side. So at that time, Samaritans were, they were the scum of the earth. They were, they were less than less. A Jewish person would have gone around Samaria. They would never have gone through it. So when Jesus is telling the story about who is my neighbor, the person who is hearing the story would have already heard that. They would have already known, okay, I got a Pharisee. I've got a lawyer. 
who's the next guy that I'm going to hear? They never in a million years would have ever thought, oh my God, a Samaritan? They, mm. they wouldn't have heard it. It would have defied their logic. Mm. So when we think about that, who is my neighbor? Uh, it makes you call into question everything. So that's what I did. I just started questioning everything about why I believe what I believe. And I think, I think you brought up a, a really good point there too, um, which is like, like we live in this world where, I mean, I love the internet. It made me, right? Like that's my whole game, right? But it's like, I think that gives a very distorted view of the world for sure. And like when you when you think back in the Bible times, like everything, everything was separate, right? It was tribes. It was, you know, things were apart. It wasn't like this big connected thing. And words, like words had different meanings, not because the definitions of those words were different, but like you, like you just said with the word road, right? Or like with the, like, it's like a road for them was like a little path and the road here is a highway or like that. And so we, we think of these things and this world is that we live in is so small now because everything's so connected, but you know, and so one of the things that we've been doing in, in the church, church as we we're going through, we're going through Genesis right now. Um, and like then like oh, linking yeah. through There's so much cool stuff going on. Dude. Oh my, I probably read Genesis like 10 times. I've never read Genesis. I found out, right? Like, oh my gosh. Right. So, but one of the things that we're going through is we're like, he's our pastor's like actually studying words, right. Going back to the, you know, original things or whatnot. And it is fascinating to me how much like my preconceived notions of what like just verses meant were so wrong. When, and like when God was like talking about um, like, in our, like, let, let us make man in our image. Like, I just thought he was referring to him and Jesus, right? But that's not actually who he, who he was referring to, right? There's like a whole host of gods, low, low G God right up there. And mm -hmm. I'm like, wait a second, there's a verse in Psalms. Like, there's a literal verse in Psalms that says that God had a, um like a, a table, what's the, the like, people around it, a council, a council, a council of other gods. Like it literally says this in the Bible. And I'm like, there, there, okay, I guess the whole meaning of thou shall have no other gods before me isn't there is no other gods out there, right? And I'm like, oh, so I think that's a very, very important point for myself and, but, and for people listening too, is that we just, we don't have that context. Um, yeah, that's good. So, so, so even think about that. So think about the underlying story of the first three chapters of the Bible. So Adam and Eve, uh, was his name really Adam? Uh, Adam literally means dirt uh, in Hebrew. So it, it wasn't his name. It was the idea that Adam was dirt. So we were made from where? Dirt. So so it wasn't literally the name. It's what we have translated it to be. But the word Adam literally means dirt. So when you think about this story, <clears throat> and then you think about fast a whole generation later, we've now got this Cain and Abel. And what mm. does the Bible say about Cain and Abel? So one is a herder, uh, one is a farmer. Yeah. So there's a little bit more of that going on in the story, though, because people remember 500 years later, this was all written down. So this was all just orally transferred from here. But people would have heard that and thought, what typically happens with a shepherd? They're nomads. Uh, they kind of go where the sheep go. They, they eat whatever's there. Now you've got a farmer who's planted roots. Uh, so they now have a community, a tribe, a perimeter. Yeah. Now the shepherd is now roaming into the other land where someone's established roots. So it's progress. 
it's not necessarily a story about just a guy who kills his brother. It's a little bit more about progress. So the cool thing about the Bible is there's always something going on. And then when we have this conversation yeah. about the Tower of Babel. So which we're getting that, to in church is our next fault. Ah, I'm so excited. Okay. Okay. So yeah. all right. Yeah. So let's talk about that. So okay, yeah. what do you build a tower with? Bricks. Bricks and stones. Yeah. Never made before that. So there's no mention of that. So think about the progress of that. So now I've got this idea of now bricks being able to build a tower to be like God. So there's a lot of stuff that's actually going on beneath the surface of what's written, which is why I always tell people when you read the Bible, you have to really look at what's under the surface. You yeah. want to dive into what was actually the thought process behind it. So so let me ask you this then. What do you say, because I'm I'm very, are, are we friends on Facebook? I think we're friends on Facebook. Right? I think we are. Yeah, yeah okay. So I'm, I'm very um, vocal about my faith. I'm very vocal about, I'm just very vocal about what I believe, period. Whatever, you know, controversial things. I don't shy away. But okay. one of the big things that I hear back from people uh, that are not believers or maybe that left the church or even I have um, some Muslim friends, right, that I've become come close with. And, um, you know, the big the big thing I always hear is that the Bible has been changed and interpreted so many different times. Right. It, it's 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 lost in translation. There's all these different variations. It's changed. There's not consistency through it. All that. How can you say that this is the word of God or that it's not flawed or whatever, right? When it's changing all the time, right? When, like you said, it was orally, you know, transmitted over hundreds of years. So what would your response to that be as to why you think this has some form of truth or accuracy to it or is actually truth? So, so from my perspective, and it's funny, I actually have a Muslim friend too, who's one of my flight instructors. And we had this nice. great conversation because he says we serve the same God. Okay. Uh, that's what they, a hundred percent. I'm like, okay, you say that, but then you also don't believe it in Jesus. And you also don't believe in the Trinity. So I'm like, they, they believe in Jesus as a prophet. Right. Sorry. Uh, yeah. They don't believe Jesus is the son of God. Right. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. So, so let's get back to the original story though. So yeah. the Bible is the written word of God uh, at that time, this God was the first one who wanted a communion with his people. So again, you have to remember when you're reading the Bible, what was going on at the time? So there were a lot of human sacrifices because Lots. at the time, the gods that they believed in controlled your crops, they controlled your fertility, they controlled everything. Uh, and then you did what? You sacrificed, you gave, you gave, you gave. You never had any idea where you stood with the gods at that point. Yeah. So here's this Bible, who this God comes down and he makes a covenant with a guy who says that through you, I'm going to multiply the earth and it's going to be fulfilled like you've never seen. This is the first time in history that a God has actually came down and said, I want to walk and dwell with you and have communion. Now, here's the beautiful thing. What do you know about covenants? Uh, so a covenant is, it, it is a thing that you and I enter into. It could be marriage, could be legal, could be business. But the beautiful thing about a covenant is, and, and you can go back and historically check this because I love that you do when I when I tell you things. Um, a covenant at that time, we would have taken animals, we would have sac we would have cut yep. them in two, we would have split them across each yep. other, we would both walk through. Agree? Yep. Yep. Uh, yep. I knew. Okay. Yep. Well, the beautiful thing about this story, this God, Abraham fell asleep. If you go back in Genesis and you read when yeah. he was making the covenant with God, God walked through and made the covenant with us, regardless of whether Abraham went through or not. God is never going to leave us. He's never going to forsake us. And he's never going to break that covenant. Now, 
we can wander into a lot of wildernesses, which we do today, no different than we did then. Yeah. But God never changes. Mm. So it's the so same. He, what, he 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 held up his end of the covenant. Like he's like, I'm in covenant with you, whether you whether you hold up your I held end it up for both of not. us. Yeah. And he's like, I'm doing it for both. Okay. I held it up for both of us. Yeah. So here we have this God who's bigger than all of the other small stuff that we're trying to put into our head, to our frames. So, and then when you, and you mentioned the 10 commandments, the shall not have other gods. Why did we have the commandments at that time? Why were they given the commandments? They were in slavery. Yeah. They're, they've never, they've never. Well, they had, just, yeah, they had just come out of slavery, right? Never had freedom. Yeah. So, right. And so there were like rules and the laws of the gotta have rules if you've never been free. So, and I think even to some degree today, because we are so free, we have no rules. Okay. So, okay. That's so interesting. So originally what I was going to call this show um, was the freedom paradox. Um, I chose the game of influence because the direction of the business and things like that is just lined up a little bit more. But if I were to rebrand or have a show about this topic, it'd be the freedom paradox. And the freedom paradox, very simply put, is in order to be free, you must like have insane rules, right? Like you like you have to like completely, like if I'm free in Christ, I have to completely submit to him, right? If I have freedom in my money, I have to be so disciplined in my money, right? It is like this paradox. So that's that's a very good point. Yeah. So I, so on my podcast, The Cost of Doing Nothing, I always ask that, what does freedom look like? Like what does freedom truly look like for you in your body, your balance with your, yep. your wife, your family, yep. relationship with God and your business? Because those all need to be aligned. So, so we have, again, this conversation. So Leviticus... Uh, one of the most boring books of the Bible that we think, I mean, this is like all these rules. Um, it's God telling us for the first time what we need to be in communion. Again, prior to this, they're sacrificing like crazy, man. Like they're just trying to figure out how to please a God. Now God is saying, you know what? I don't need any of this, but you do. You're human. You, you need to put me in context. So I'm going to let you have all these rules that are going to understand how to walk in communion with me. But the cool thing about the Bible, the cool thing about that God that we're talking about is that this was the first time in a religion that he actually showed himself to all of the people in the wilderness. There's been no other religion. You can Google that. Mm. Fact check it. First time that this God actually came to people in the wilderness and said, this is what I expect. I'm looking for a body to have communion with, and I'm going to dwell among you. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's bigger than the other stuff. Do you, what, do you think that, that, that God that came down, like with God, the 10 commandments and things, do you think that that was Jesus um, or do you I, think that it was God? I think it was God, uh, God incarnate. I think the three are one. And I think, uh, I think we get bogged down into the, the, the who did what and when and how. Yeah. 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 I'm just curious if, if this, yeah. So that, because that's interesting because one of the things that, um, it, Islam believes or, you know, Muslims believe at least my understanding of this, um, is you know, uh, Jesus was the second to last prophet and then Muhammad was the final prophet, right? Neither one of them were God though, right? They were just prophets. And so mm -hmm. as you're putting this, I'm sure I've heard it before, but like, it's, you're making me realize again, it's like, oh, wait a second. Out of every God that every God that has ever supposedly existed, right? Like God is the only God of the Bible. Jesus is the only one that has actually come down to earth as a mere mortal or communicated to people here. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. So even in the so Old Testament. Yeah. All right. Even Continue. in the Old Testament. So, yeah. you know, I, I think I think as Christians, we get bogged down on little things. Uh, I, I think the things like, um, was there a whale? Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it, there's an underlying bigger message there. So 
Nineveh was the place that they hated the most. So where did God want them to go? He wanted them to go to the place that you hate the most. Yeah. So back to the Good Samaritan. So you go back to the people. You know, right now I'm reading about the woman in the well. Um, so um, Jesus says two things about the woman in the well. So come to me with what? Water. I'll give it to you that's everlasting. You'll never thirst again. You'll never be worshiping money. You'll never be worshiping all the things that you do by coming to me. Yeah. So it, it's this it's this crazy thing that the story is actually bigger than just this sin conversation of, of where we, we we tend to put our minds. A hundred percent. And I want to, um, if there's anything else that you want to talk about on this, feel free. I do want to get to the hell, like, oh, that's the hell conversation. Okay, okay, cool. But I want to, if I can share something real quick. My, so I re I recommitted my life to Christ, um, in December of last year. Um, I was actually rebaptized, uh, maybe a month ago, um, or so oh, up in the mountains. Wow, awesome. Yeah, it was really cool. One of my best friends actually baptized me and I baptized him, um, alongside like 120 other men up there with, it was awesome. But when I rededicated my life to Christ, uh, it was the week between, uh, Christmas and New Year's and I had just. I was alone. Uh, my wife was um, in uh, uh, visiting her family and I had the most, like, I'm not going to get into the details of the actual experience. Cause that's a, I've actually never shared them publicly and like, it'll be like kind of a separate conversation, but I had the most incredible experience with Jesus and the power of his name. And what was fascinating to me, like you talk about this concept of like, you know, all these rules growing up, right. Of like, it was just fire, hellfire and brimstone. And I feel a lot of that as well. And, and how I grew up, I do think that, um, it, I think that my parents, maybe not so much my church, but my parents kind of did a, a good job of like conceptually, like sharing with me that there was more than that. Right. But to me, Jesus was this, if I commit my life to Jesus type of deal, he's going to take away everything I wanted. Right. And I watched this sermon um, it was in, in, on YouTube actually. And I like flipped it. I actually have, I can send you it if you want to see it. It's like 45 minute thing long in the middle of this like worship thing. And it was just insane. And it was the most powerful sermon about Jesus I had ever heard. Like this guy just gets up there and he goes, today, I'm going to talk to you about Jesus. Right. He's like, nothing else. Just, I'm just going to share with you who he actually is. Right. And I sat there and like, for the first time in my life, like actually realized like there was a crazy spiritual, like it was a crazy, like spiritual night that night, like crazy insane. But for the first time in my life, I realized, wait a second, hold up. My whole life, I have been looking at Jesus as, oh no, save me from evil or I'm going to hell. This is the King of Kings, Lord of Lords, all powerful over every piece, everything on earth. He reigns above everything. Like this is the most powerful human entity being to ever walk the faith, to ever, ever existed, ever is, right? Like that, he, he is, he just is, right? And it's like, for the first time, I experienced a glimpse of who it was that I was actually serving. And all of a sudden, my entire perception of God and religion and like the whole world changed because I'm like, wait a second, that him, he loves me. He wants a relationship with me. Like he calls me, he saved me, right? 
And in that moment, you talk about like applying biblical context correctly, right? And like understanding that when you go back and you look at like kings and you look at like the most powerful kings and you were blessed and favored by the king. And if you were in the king's presence or if you didn't and you start to study that and what that meant, like if you had the king's favor, like you were like untouchable, right? And now you go the king of kings over everything, over all, for all eternity, forever. And he goes and he calls me like his friend. If you go read, he calls me his brother, right? Like this is, this is insanity to me, right? And so at, that was the moment that I was like, and you know, I put this on Facebook. I, I made a show, like I did an episode about it. I'm like, I don't know what everybody else believes about Jesus or this or whatever, or God or this. I'm like, that guy, write him. That's who I serve, right? Like I will follow him to the ends of the earth, come heaven or hell. I don't care. Like that is who I serve. And so when you talk about how like we have this view of Jesus or we have this view of heaven or hell or different things of that name, I'm just like, my whole life was shattered then. And when I think about Jesus, every, whenever I share, the biggest thing I get back from people is, but Jesus has all these rules, right? The Bible has all these things. Like, and I'm like, no, you don't understand. No, no, no. He, he is the, like, he, he's the most powerful. You're focusing on what you can't do. I'm focusing on whatever you could possibly think you wanted. Whatever you possibly think is good of this doesn't even remotely compare. I know I'm rambling, but like, that's Jesus. No, no, no. Right? So what were the two, what were the two greatest commandments? Thou should um, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul. It's not heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love the neighbor as himself. Love the neighbor as myself. So the rest of it kind of takes care of itself if you do those two things. It's crazy. Yeah. Crazy. So, so that's a little bit about my testimony. I'll have to. We'll have to do. I love that. Oh my god. Like we'll have to. Maybe we'll have to do a second episode. I can kind of share the experience because that's when I like was introduced to spiritual warfare, like for real, for real. But what I want to shift the conversation to hell, if if you're cool with going there, Absolutely. because. Well, I, and I, I think, I think before we go there, I think okay. we have to set a little bit of context. So okay, yeah. there, the Jews are waiting for the Messiah. Yep. Uh, keep, keep going. I got to plug in my camera. Sorry. <laughs> so the, uh, the Jews are waiting for the Messiah and they've been waiting. So what do they immediately think when you are the oppressed? Uh, you are looking for somebody who's going to militarily save you. Do you think that that context would have been any remotely different had they been up here instead of down here? So they, they were naturally looking for someone to save them, which is what we typically all do. We wait till they hit rock bottom, and we see this example many, many times. So they, oh, God, where are you forsaken me? Boom, he shows up, he delivers them, and then we start questioning again. And then when we're back on top, we forget about God, and we do all these other things, and then, oh, God, please. So God is continually truthful and faithful in the covenant. So now here we are. The Romans have invaded. We're looking for the fulfillment of this savior because we have been yet again put into captivity. And, and now we're thinking about this. So when you hear Jesus tell stories, this is where you and I talk, and I'm very big on this because when you listen to the way that he speaks so much, a it, it's a lot of it is hyperbole. It, it's to people who at that time would have understood. And I think that as Christians, we have this we have this idea that he is this long, flowing, peaceful, loving. Uh, but if you actually look at what's going on and what he is saying, he is defying all rules, all logic, and very subversive to Rome. So the the story when we talk about uh, walking a mile uh, with someone, walk with him too. Any idea what he's talking about with there? So it was actually Roman law. Oh, that- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I, th- I like. Actually, yeah, yes. Yeah. Yep. But you, so yeah, explain so it. Explain it. Explain it. Yeah. So Roman couldn't. Yep. Uh, a Roman by law had a hundred hundred pound pack. 
Yep. They could make any Jewish person that they want or, or anybody that's part of, of the Roman Empire at the time carry a pack for one mile. So Jesus says if they're going to walk with him one mile, walk with him two. Why would they go two? Because two at that time was illegal. So now you've just taken the power. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. Oh, for them so to not, make you. Yeah. Uh, so it's even a further twist. Out, so the soldier would have been beaten. He would have been charged for going longer than a mile. So now Jesus is saying basically. Wait, really? Yeah, subversive. So we're now saying, you know what? You're taking the power back if you keep walking because now this soldier is running after you trying to get the pack. You have the power now. So Jesus is saying you have the power. Okay, so now let's talk about uh, when I strike you on the other cheek. Are we talking about turning the other cheek? That, that seems like a pretty passive thing to me. No. So go back to the history times during that time. You never did anything with your left hand. Why? Because you wiped your backside with it. So you wiped your ass with your left, you shook with your right. If there was a, a system oh of God. slavery and Roman and all these other caste systems at the time, it would have been very easy for me to slap you across the face as a dog with my right hand. If you turn the other cheek, now what happens? I have a decision. Do I hit you with the left hand, which I wipe my ass with, which is unconscionable. I would never have done anything with my left hand. Or do I hit you with the backside of my hand, which no one did at the time? I'm immediately taking the power back by turning my cheek. Okay, continue. <laughs> so there's a lot. Like, of I saw, like, it was so funny to me the other day. I was thinking about this. I was like, I, I remember growing up when people are like, I, I, you know, I spend my whole entire life just studying one book of the Bible, and I'm like, how? Like, you spend your whole life on one book? Huh. Like, okay. And now I'm like, yo. So whole lifetime enough for one book, like even one chapter, like, holy cow. It's okay. Crazy. So, so again, so now you're thinking I'm a Jewish person. I'm listening to this, this incredible rabbi who says he's the one. And now I'm calling into question everything. Cause I'm waiting for this military victor. So, but this guy, he's telling me to do the exact opposite. He's telling me to subversively take the control back, but in love. Not in militarily might, because it's easy to do that. And, and when you were asking the earlier question, why is this guy different? This guy sent a son to talk about peace. So because up until that time, the law of Hammerandi is the eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. So this guy is saying completely different. There's a way to do non-protest violence. There, there is a way to do all of this in love. So again, you're a Jewish person. The highest building in your area at the time was the praematorium. So where the Roman soldiers were, and they made it just a little higher than the Jewish temple. Why? Because yeah. we wanted was to know who yeah. was really yeah. in yep. charge. So the, the Roman Empire actually had a slogan called peace through victory. They also believed at that time, uh, there were coins that were going around with the first Julius Caesar. Julius Caesar believed he was God incarnate. Mm -hmm. Yep. They actually have They actually have coins that say, Caesar is Lord. So do you see the parallel when we say yeah. Jesus is Lord, the subversion that's going on there? So, okay, so now you're this young man. You're hearing about how incredible your God is. You've got this thing that's higher than the temple. And then this guy comes along and he's sitting on a mount with you and he's talking about all of these other things. And he's talking about these stories. Would you understand those as a modern Jewish person today? Probably not. If you were sitting there on the mount with this guy and you were there and you were understanding and taking a look around and he's talking about this place that we call hell. So we're having this conversation about hell. 
And Jesus is talking about this in Matthew 5. And what is he actually talking about? So in the Bible, and you and I talked about this, and I, and I think you did a little bit of fact-checking on this, um, there are three references to the word, uh, the word hell. They're, they're very poor translations for us in, in America, yeah. in the United States, in English, for what we've done. So the three words, Gehenna, which was literally a place. It's actually where they believe Armageddon is going to be when mm. John wrote the book of Revolution. So when Jesus is telling the story, though, the Valley of Gehenna, if you go back to First Kings, they were actually sacrificing okay. to Baal. Okay, go ahead. Baal, to Baal. Okay, okay. So hold on. Pause for the first second because I got to set up this conversation. Okay. You tell me, like I grew up with this view and belief, and I don't even know, like it had to be been taught, right? Like uh, that, like there was heaven and there was hell, and that. While hell, you know, even as I grew older, I was like, okay, maybe hell isn't a literal lake of fire, right? With flames, like hell was eternal separation from God, right? That was, and in eternity, there was either you were with God or you were without him. And if God is all things good, then eternal separation from him would be all things bad. And it was just like, that's where it was. And it was hot and it was burning and you went down there, right? Like, and then at some point, God was going to come back to earth and he was going to like set everybody free, remake heaven and on earth and destroy hell. Oh, I, so I always learned that it was going to be, you were going to fly away somewhere like the 401k. You have to wait till your retirement to get it. Um, but you had to wait till you were dead and Jesus to come back to fly to somewhere else uh, because this place isn't good enough. We've already destroyed it. So we've got to go somewhere else. Well, that's, yeah, and I think a lot of people do did believe that, like growing up or whatever. But I think that, like, uh, my my mom and I have a deep conversation. So I think after I left, like after I moved out and like things like that, I think that's when that changed because I used to believe that. But at some point, I was like, oh, okay, God's gonna come back to Earth, and He's gonna set us all free, and He's gonna remake heaven and Earth. And I don't know if it's gonna stay. That I didn't really know, but it didn't really matter. I was like, it's just gonna be cool. It's gonna be lit, right? I'm like, I can't wait for I can't wait for the end times. Like, I'm sure it's gonna be terrifying and amazing all at the same time. But I'm like. I can't wait for the sky to crack open and just come down and be like, let's go. So like, awesome. But I didn't even question how we got to that conclusion of hell, right? It was just like, that was just factual. And so when you went and like, keep in mind, I, I have a tendency, like I've gone through my phase of like questioning the Bible, right? Um, I, I have a tendency though, to like believe something as it says, if it says something very clearly in the Bible, I'm like, I'm going to believe it as fact until more context is given. Mm -hmm. I assumed that in the Bible, God was like, you're going to go to hell. Like somewhere in there, like that was like, there was this place because like, that's just what we were taught growing up, right? The place of fire and brimstone. And then we're sitting there at dinner and we have this conversation and you're like, but does it actually say that? And I'm like, yeah. And you're like, have you actually read the Bible? And I'm like, no, I guess not. Right. And so I like go back and I start like reading through generation or uh, through revelations. And I'm like, there's like different levels, like two different like things. And then there's like, Satan is going to be like tied up and thrown into a, a pit with a, a thing on it for like a thousand years. But at the same time, I'm like in the old Testament, like, Satan's just like walking into heaven, 
right? Like in the realms of God, like with Job, I'm like, wait a second, like how? And then I was like, well, wait a second. We always heard that like the devil, that Satan, there was the fault, like he was cast out of heaven, right? And there was like, but I'm like, but that's like kind of in the Bible and it is, but it's like referenced. It's not like actually in a story. It's like referenced from a prophet. And like my whole perception of like this very clear, like we know what happens, like kind of like this was completely shattered. So I, I want to turn it back over to you because I, I'm very curious about this. Like this part where I'm going to just shut up and let you talk. But for anyone that's listening right now, because I know I'm going to get, I know I'm going to get messages. I know. Okay. For anyone's oh, listening right now, right. It's going to be great. Go read the Bible because like, Bible. it's fascinating. I'm going to turn yeah. it over to you. So, so I'm, I'm sitting on a mountain and I'm listening to this guy tell the story. This, this guy is supposed to be the Messiah. Uh, he's the one that I'm not 100% sure because he should be military leader and should be delivering me from all of the things that I've been, uh, that, that I- This is back in the Bible times, like you're listening to the Messiah. Correct, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. So, yeah. That's, so that's what I'm saying. So I'm yep. this guy, I'm listening, to, I'm listening to this guy, Jesus talk. Yep. And he's telling me things that are exactly opposite of everything that I've ever heard. Yep. But now he's telling me this story uh, about this place called Gehenna. When, when Jesus is talking about hell and he's talking about the weeping and gnashing and the lake of fire, he's actually talking about a place. It was on the other side of the mountain. So it was, again, going back to what we were talking about in Kings, that's where they worshiped human sacrifice. That's where they had Baal worship. So it's where the people now were sending their lepers. Because remember, at that time, there were very strict rules for people with leprosy. Do we have those rules today? We don't really have those rules today. Um, do we have that kind of historical context as we read this mountain story? No, it's just a really cool story to us. We're like, wow, you know, he fed people with some fish, some loaves and some bread, but we, we're not, again, we're not thinking about what's actually going on in, in the way that the Jewish culture would have thought. So when he is talking about hell, there are three references to the word hell in the Bible. So one is Sheol, so literally yep. means the ground. Like this, yeah. Two so. is the place Gehenna. And then you'll start finding out later on as uh, Paul has his uh, his encounter with Jesus and he's now in the missionary that his writings are influenced by some of the Greeks by the word Hades or Tarsus. So he's relating back to the things that were going on at the time. So going back to this hell conversation about Gehenna, that's the question you and I had. So when I said to you, where is hell? Because when Jesus is talking, he's talking to people and he's talking about a place that they would have understood. It was hyperbole. So they would have understood what separation would have meant from the weeping and gnashing and all the other stuff that was going on in this place. And we have literally have translated that place into this place down there. And if you actually Google and fact, I'm going to right now, like, cause I want to, yeah. Yeah, go ahead. Fact check Google while up. we're talking. Dante's Inferno, the seven levels of hell. Okay. You can keep talking, Dante. So, so Dante's Inferno is where we have our first depiction of what hell is referenced like in our modern times. Up until this, okay, point, but hold on. Let me. I want to go back one one step further. Where, when Jesus was talking, when he re referenced hell, what, where was that? It was, was, that it was. It was called the Valley of Gehenna. Jesus, but like, uh, Valley of Gehenna. Right, but like what when was this? That was at the summer of the So Matthew five. Is that what where it was? Okay, when Matthew five. When does Jesus reference uh hell in Matthew? You're gonna get so many conversations on this. I guarantee Oh, it's it. gonna be great. This is <laughs> but like say, but though this is why like people don't I feel like that, like just a quick tangent side note. I don't think feel like this is why people don't learn anything. Right. 
because I'm like, like they never take the time to question anything. They never take the time to be open. I have no idea if what you're telling me is complete BS. I have no clue, but I'm going to like hear out the thing and I'm going to go fact check it and validate and form my own opinion on it. Um, this is the interesting thing, because if you look at the Bible, the way that it actually was written, men questioned everything. They questioned right. God at every turn. Okay. And so somehow, somehow that God is different today. So we can't, we can't question that guy anymore. So Matthew 5, verse 22 says, uh, and this is the New International Version, uh, but I tell you that anyone who is angry with their brother or sister, he will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to a brother or sister, Raka, I don't know what that means, Raka, uh, of, oh, it's an American turn of, of contempt, is answerable to court. And anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Correct. And then the second one here, if I, which is 29 and 30, which is if your right eye causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away, it is better for you to lose one part of your body than for the whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to stumble, cut it off and throw it away for it is better for you to lose one part of your body than your whole body to go into hell. Yep. So that version there, you're saying that was what translates over to Gehenna. Correct. Got it. Okay. All right. So, so now when we go back and we look at what Gehenna was, so Gehenna was actually the valley that surrounded the old city of Jerusalem. It was, it was adjacent to Mount Zion. So it was in the Kidron Valley. So it, it was first mentioned in the, in the early Hebrew Bible. It was kind of bordering the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin. And it was during that first temple period that it was the site of all of the stuff that was going on. They were sacrificed by children and kings. So again, I'm a Jew listening to this guy talk and he's talking about things that i would have understood so then you have to start questioning what did he mean what was actually going on was it literally a place called hell okay but could it have been so this is where i'm gonna like question stuff and you might mute, help me if I have to... mute, mute for one second i'm gonna go shut my door oh okay sorry crazy dog you're mute okay yeah cool okay so why he's doing that, guys, I, I'm fascinated by all this. I'm learning, and I'm clearly searching all of this stuff. Um, I've just found that when, I, when I've actually gone through and started reading the Bible, it's like this treasure map of like you read it, and then it, the more you study, the more it opens up. Okay, so you're back. I muted you, so you went on mute. Sorry. I muted you on Zoom. There you so, go. Yeah, yeah, we sold our house. And the people who are buying it, moving in in two weeks are uh, trying to measure some stuff. So. Gotcha. Gotcha. Okay. So could it be though, that this is because like a lot of times Jesus will make reference to things and then it, they, but it also has like sp perhaps spiritual meanings, like other things, for example, the, the thing of the talent, right. And everyone's like, you know, one talent, two talents, three, five talents, right. Well, a talent, I'm sure you know this, but like a talent was a lifetime of wages, right? Like it was like insane, insane amounts. And so there's, you know, lots of discussion there that, you know, God was talking about, hey, listen, like you've been given a life, right? Do not waste your lifetime of talent that I have given you, right? And if you do, it will be multiplied or, you know, right? So it was like literal talent, don't waste money, don't be, but also spiritual or like bigger picture thing. There's multiple reference points, right? So could it be that when he is referring to hell in any context here, he is referring both to something that they would understand, but then also similar to being born again, right? How can you enter back into a, your, my mom's womb, right? Could it have multiple meanings here? 
Um, I, I don't think that it did, because I think you're now at that point trying to interpret the 21st century way that it was written to a people who would have understood at that time. Remember, they didn't have books. They were lucky if they had one scroll, and it happened mm -hmm. to be one chapter of a book that we was just passed oral to oral. But, so, but do you they, believe that some things in the Bible had multiple meanings? Oh, of course. Okay. Yeah, but, okay. But, uh, and Jesus would have, he would have inferred those to those people okay. because they would have understood that. Okay. That's why we have a parable. I mean, and again, if you go back and you look at uh, the way that uh, the rabbis and Jewish law were taught, they argued. Like when yeah. they went into the temple, they didn't have this guy who stood up and said, hey, here's all the stuff. And then you walk away like, okay, cool. I'm fed. Like they argued it. They wrestled with it. They turned it on its side. They looked at it. They questioned it. Yeah, yeah. And then they walked away and they formed their own opinion like what we're talking about right now. Yeah. We don't do that anymore. Right now, we go, we hear a guy, he says whatever it is, we come home, and we're like, oh, yeah, cool. Works. That was great, right? But we don't even question what did the Jews believe at that time about everlasting life? Mm. So they never had a context beyond the afterlife. If you actually go and look at how the Jews at that particular time and how they thought, it was very linear. So it, it was beginning and end. There was no afterlife. They, they were thinking about how to be in shalom with God now today, not what's going to happen to me tomorrow. So they, they didn't think like that during that particular time. Uh, and, and I think that's where, again, we get confused Interesting. with what we're reading and what we're interpreting without even thinking about what the traditions were at that time. What were their thoughts? Okay. So then going back to this, Jesus referring to hell, Yep. continue on that thread. So, so when Jesus is talking about this place, he would have immediately talked about being out of favor, separated from God, not necessarily a fire, but it would have been something that they would have equated to the separation of being in a valley, being with lepers, being where they burnt their trash. It would have been a hyperbole that would immediately put an image into my head. Uh, when you tell a story, do you like to give imagery? Yeah. Gets the point across, right? Yeah. Yeah. Kind of the same thing. So we're, we're giving some imagery. I'm a marketer, bro. I... Yeah, I paint that. Who was the master marketer? Jesus, best mark. I say this all the time. Jesus, best the greatest marketer, marketer on earth, man. Mm -hmm. Like, we want to talk about. I'm a big Russell Brunson fan. You want to talk about opportunity switch, baby, right? You want to talk yeah. about new identity switch, right? Like, like if you want to study marketing, Jesus, the goat, man. Holy cow! Well, and then you talk about the twelve disciples starting the first church, the very first church. Talk about marketing, because look at where we are today. So again, we're talking about an image that I would have listened to and understood what separation of God would have meant. Okay. Did it mean that I literally was going to be lit up in a seven levels of somewhere else? There was no record of that any time until later on in medieval history. So when you start to fact check some of these things and you start to look at the Hebrew words for one particular thing, you know, I, I was talking to somebody the other day, what, is, what does sin really mean? It's, it just means miss the mark. It's Hebrew for really? miss the mark. That's it. I mean, we put a context to it of all the really, really bad things because there isn't a word for us to be able to use, but it really is nothing more than missing the mark. Now, we can get into that conversation about when you miss the mark with sin, what levels of sin or what versions of sin are better than others? Are there better versions than others? Mm, I don't think so. I think so. There isn't. So uh, why do we allow? Uh, why do we allow? And why do we justify Christians who are overweight? Right, hundred percent. Right, or why or, anger versus like we think that sexual sin is somehow so much worse than yeah. 
being addicted to social media, being, you know, all of these other things. They're you all said the it was same. a Hebrew term for that? Because uh, so there is. So let me see. Tra sin, transgression, vice, guilt, atonement, wrong. Uh misdemeanor, inequity, offense, uh, offense, crime. What is the biblical meaning of sin? I'm looking for it in like sin in Hebrew. Sin is a failure to the, be humans who fully love God and others. So it is uh, spoilage. Yeah. So sin is offend, transgress, transpress, uh, tra excuse me, uh, trespass. But again, it's missing the mark. Uh, it's, it's, if you look at the total context, it's not living in shalom. Okay. So with, peace. on help me with, for those that want to check this, help me with the Bible study.org. It says that right there, which is what, what you just said, which was, oh, I lost it here. It says on that site, the Hebrew verb, sin is a verb, right? To sin, right? right. Uh, primarily means, quote, to go astray, miss the path, or miss the mark. The action Correct. of sin here in the broad sense. Yeah, okay. <laughs> okay, so, okay. So maybe reference. you're going to get here, but then what happens, like the wages of sin is death, right? But yeah. the gift of God is good. So the wages of sin is death. Your righteousness is as filthy rags, right? So there's a, this clear difference between perfection and sin is lack of perfection. You cannot be perfect if you've sinned, right? So, well, without through Jesus, you know, through Jesus, you can be right. right? Because that. So then, what happens if I? What happens if I don't believe in God? If I like reject Jesus, I'm, I'm like, my, I don't believe that He died for my sins. I'm like, you know, reject all that. Then I die. What if? Where what do if, I go? What happens? What if the story is bigger than that? So what if you've never, what if you've been in a world where there is no God uh, or there is nobody who's told you about Jesus? So okay, but let's mean? assume just, let's just assume for a second that I have. Okay. Like, let's just start there because like we got to start somewhere here. Let, let's like the person they've had every, they've had every opportunity. They reject God. They get to their deathbed. They're like, no, don't believe it. Right. They had the opportunity. They die. Okay. Do you, do you believe that they are a place? They go down to this. My mom calls it fire insurance. I'm going to accept Jesus because I want fire insurance. Okay, but that's not, I don't think that's accepting Jesus truly, right? Like I, I, saying the words of, of like, I believe in God. That doesn't mean you believe in God. That doesn't believe you believe in Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, right? You have to be actually believe it, right? I've, I can stories of people who are on their deathbed have said oh my gosh i was completely wrong this entire time i, I believe that that for if you actually believe it right like jesus hanging on the cross the guy next to him but you actually have to believe just saying that you believe like there actually has to be a belief and only god knows whether you believed or not but like let's just assume okay the person they've rejected god they died they're like i'm, I'm out right like i don't believe in this and they die like you you do believe in in a life after death. You believe in a spiritual life after death? Yes or no? Uh, I, I don't know. But, okay, I, so but like, then what about all me. the people that like God's hanging on the cross? Like, you will be with me in eternity. Okay. So, like, okay. you don't just die and nothing happens, right? That's again, I, I'm not 100% sure. Uh, in my but like, in how my... would we experience Christ then? Like, how would we experience, like, is so Christ is heaven on earth. So, I mean, if, if we're like, no, not yet, though, right? A hundred percent. If I if I gave you love every day, and you gave me love every day, now I equate this back to my marriage. Most marriages today fail because it's all about me. That's that's sin, missing the mark. The wages 100%. of sin 
is missing the mark. It could be diet, could be health, could be money, could be obsessive. Eventually, you're going to lead down a road of destruction. True? Yeah. So it's death. Does it mean literal physical death? Or is it spiritual death? Or is it both? But like, there is this, you believe in the spiritual realm, right? A hundred percent. But I'm yeah. asking, so are, are there demons? So this is the conversation. So is there a Satan? Yes. There is. So yep. is the word Satan a person or is it? That I don't know. That I'm I'm not, because it's like God, I don't know what, he's some entity. It's something. Okay. So, right? so while we're Googling, why don't you Google Satan or the Satan, which literally means the adversary, the evil one. It is the idea. Right. hundred percent. Lucifer. So right? actually, no, let's go back to Lucifer. Google Lucifer. Uh, that is a very misquoted translation that was not entered into anything until the Roman Vulgate Bible by the Roman Catholic Church. So when you're talking about Isaiah. What should I Google on this? Uh, the meaning of the word Lucifer. Meaning of word Lucifer. Light bear, shining star. Bear of light. A name traditionally for Christian for the leaders of the devil, an angel who is cast out of heaven into hell because he rebelled against God. Lucifer usually identified with Satan. The name Lucifer, which means bearer of light or morning star. Keep digging on the history of Lucifer. When uh, was Lucifer first used? Okay, when was, uh, when was Lucifer first used? When was the term... Correct. Lucifer first used. The second epistle of Peter. Second Peter 119, the Latin Vulgate to refer to Jesus. The word Lucifer, uh, that doesn't make sense. Hold on. Which means light bear. Why is Satan? Oh gosh. Okay. Bible letter. Is Satan's real name Lucifer or should we call him Satan? Who introduced Lucifer in the Bible? The name of Lucifer is never belonged to Satan. I'm so confused right now. Okay, so this is Bible letter by or blue letter bible.org. Uh how how art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down from the ground, which did weaken the nations? Isaiah 14, verse 12. But you're not referring to it like when is it first used in the Bible? You mean that that term, actually. When right? did we translate it? Correct. I don't know. So Google Wikipedia, the Latin name for the morning appearances of the planet Venus corresponds to the Greek name, a bearer of light. Entity's Latin name was absorbed in the first Latin Bible. So we didn't even call him Lucifer until the Roman Catholic Church wrote it in the, uh, in the Latin Vulgate as a mistranslation. Okay. So, oh gosh, there's two, two things I have to do here. So give me, give, me a, give me a 60 second answer on this and we yeah. can expand if we need to, but let's start with 60 second because we never answered the question of... For, of like, how, why do you believe the Bible is true if it's been translated all these times? So for example, what you're saying right here, right? Like there's all these different translations or this or that or whatever. How can you possibly believe the Bible is true if there's all these different translations and it's a treasure map to even figure out what it's being referred to? 60 because seconds. It because it survived this entire period of time. So the message is peace. The message is uh, serving. The message how do you, is Why do you believe it's true though? Like, why do you believe it's like the, like, factually true like it well is there's a couple of a couple of reasons one they're still discovering things that historically line up to what the bible was actually saying so we right. actually found an arch uh that kind of lines up with the book of first and second kings uh so from an from a historical perspective 100 true i mean we can actually go yep. back and yep 100 and i believe that so and then the other one is that it's still survived today it is still okay but like look at the quran though for example and keep in mind 
this is, I'm just playing the devil's advocate here because I believe the Bible to be true, right? But like playing the devil's advocate here, the Quran is word for word, never been changed. Like, like they know, like if you destroyed every single Quran out there, like the people have it memorized because they've recited every single day and it would be completely rewritten word for word. It never changed, right? So like the Bible is older than the Quran, I understand, but, or at least it starts older, right? Uh, like, but where, like one could argue though that the Quran would be more true than the Bible because it's never changed and it has stood the test of time as well. So, so why isn't why is the Bible true not the Quran? So was Jesus was Jesus real or not? I believe that he was. One hundred percent. I think. I, I mean, historically speaking, in every religion, pretty much everybody refers to Jesus be, being alive as a human. Yeah. Yeah. So I, I think that the strength of the Bible, uh, from the stories that had gone on and after Jesus, Jesus's ministry, the apostles. Uh, the growth of the church. I think that all of those things line up and we can see those things. Uh, uh -huh. So to me, that's the difference between the Quran. The Quran still is very much, uh, again, I don't think it was either God inspired any lesser or, or different. I think it's the same God. I think we just took different tracks. Uh, I think that when you look at that particular way that it's written, it's still very much a revenge. Uh, it's because it hasn't changed. Uh, so for us, when we look mm. at this, again, we've got to look at what is the bottom line here? Are we serving uh, or are we going and we're going to get some revenge? So why did Jesus come? So we know that in the Bible, when Jesus died, there were 66 prophecies, 66, that were actually fulfilled at that yeah. cross. So yeah. when Jesus was resurrect resurrected, it was all part of the of, of the early prophecies. You know, again, they're looking for something else. They're looking because they're oppressed for somebody to save them again, because that's what they've done. Historically, they sin, they fall short. God, please save me. God saves them. So delivers them, puts them back into power. We've watched this with kings. We watched this and God is again, oh my God, I just gave you guys this and I gave you a hall pass. And now again, you want to separate and you want to walk away. Uh, I'm going to let you guys either go into a desert. I'm going to go into captivity or anything else, but then I'm going to deliver you. And he gave the ultimate sacrifice. Okay. Quran does not validate 66 different prophecies about a Muhammad who came. Agree? Well, 100%. 100%. That's good enough for now. Uh, we could, for the sake of time, I want to like this, but like I understand where you're coming from there. We're going to have to do a follow up episode. We're going to have to do like four follow up episodes. <laughs> okay. Cause I'm so, I'm so fascinated. Okay. So I want to go back to this heaven health thing though. Yeah. So that's why you believe the Bible is true, which is awesome. And I, I, I agree with that. But like, so do you not, you don't, you don't know if there's life after death. Correct. Okay. In the way that we, in the way that we think about it. No, no, I, I'm not, I'm not even talking about in the way that we think. Is there some, yeah. form, is there some form spiritually, soul, yeah. why? Like, I'm not talking about like physical human or like another life or like whatever. I'm talking about eternity with God. Yes, I do 100% believe that. Okay. The physical part, the. No, uh, none of that. I don't need, I don't even think oh, I believe Oh, 100%. Like 100%. maybe, maybe, okay, that, you got me confused there for a second. Okay, so so I die. I don't believe in God. I have two, I have two people. Let's call them, let's call them, I'm not, I'm not trying to single anybody out here. Let's just call them Bill and Bob, all right? Okay. So Bill, that'll be too confusing. We'll call them, we'll call them Josh and Alan, all right? So Josh and Alan, we die. Josh doesn't believe in God, Alan does, right? Like Jesus, the Bible, all that. When Alan dies in some capacity, I don't know timeline, forget timeline, let's just go big picture here. You spend eternity with, with Alan spends eternity with, with, uh, with Christ, with, okay. with God, yes? 
And when, yeah, in some capacity, yes? Sure, yeah. So what happens to Josh when he dies? So let me ask you this question with Josh. So let's just say Josh was seven years old. He asked Jesus to come into his heart. Uh, and then he falls away. And now on his deathbed at 80 years old, he has no relationship with God. Does he go to heaven or not? I don't care. That's not what I'm asking uh, we're, right we're, here. No, we're getting, we're getting context first. So I'm talking about, I've rejected, I've like, I've never accepted Christ. Okay. I've, I've always rejected him 100%. I've not happening, never been saved. Like I serve the devil type of deal, right? Like I am like, I am like a bad dude and I want nothing to do with Jesus, right? Never have. I die. What happens? I believe that you are separated from God. And what is like, is that, is that just, is there a place? Um, the Bible to me, when you look at that, there is no place mentioned. So where you actually go into a ground like you're talking about. Yep. I know this is where right now we're going to get into this. No, this is I've good. This is what I'm been told. I've always been told there's this ground place. I don't even know if it's ground place. Just help fire and brimstone. Yeah. So, so you have, so we then when equated, we equated immediately to that place though. I mean, I think most people do for sure. Yeah. But let's just assume that it's not that place. Am I conscious isn't the right word because that's human but like i'm just trying to understand because like is it bad does it suck is it horrible so in some anything, you and actually i think this is where you and i started that conversation anything that's separated from god is horrible because like but can you be a christian and still have anxiety well sure are you separated from god you're not trusting no. him Really? Well, you're in that in that capacity. You are. So, if you're operated. overweight, if you're overweight, is that a sin? Are you asking my opinion, or can I back yeah. it up with the Bible? Well, both. I mean, I, I think that as long as you do not have a physical a, a physical illness that like makes you obese, like 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 literally, there are just some people that just are obese, right? Like, and they can't help it because. But like for 95% of people, I, I believe, yes. I, if you do not take care of your body, if you're obese, then yeah. Okay. So we so anxiety is a version of sin, missing the mark. So anxiety is a, ver, uh, is a version of, of lack of trust in God. Yes. So so are there versions of sin that, that are better than others? Well, no, I just think sin is sin. Okay. So to me, if you're not trusting God, missing the mark is missing the mark and not living in shalom. It's not living in the peace that that everlasting water that Jesus is giving to this woman in Samaria. And if we were all focusing on that, does it really matter about the answer? Okay, but what about people that are, you know, what about people that are born into sex slavery and are raped and beaten and poverty and stricken and their whole life just sucks and they believe in God? They be right, but they, but they believe in God though. Like they like they love Jesus. They've committed their life to Jesus somehow, right? Like they're like I I and like all this like I gotta give you praise. And they're being beaten. They're being raped. And they're being sold. And they're being they're like I believe in Jesus. And like I believe it because I know someday in eternity in heaven this is all gonna pay off. And like Jesus, like for whatever this is. What, so is what about that, those people? Well, I'm not saying I'm discounting that they're that they're not going to have a relationship or an experience with God, but are we 
thinking about that as a place to get us out of where we currently are today, because we don't want to accept the conditions of where we are. Again, going back to, we talked about the 401k. So if I'm going to continue to put money into something now in the hopes that someday I'm going to have access to it, it gives me hope down the road, but it doesn't really do anything for me right now. Which is where I think a lot of the problem we have with church today is everybody is thinking about tomorrow, but nobody really wants to make a difference today. Uh, they're all waiting to get there. Um, no one wants to spend 10 minutes with God today, uh, but they want to spend eternity with him tomorrow. Yeah. Okay. But I would say that, so let me give a, a 60 second, a 60 second overview of just kind of like my rough belief of, you know, you could, and I can clarify anything, but it's like, okay, when you believe in Christ, right? I'm a sinner. I'm born into sin. I'm a sinner, right? When I believe in Jesus, actually accept Christ as my Savior. When I believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. That's what it says, right? So it's like, okay, I become saved. At that moment, I have salvation. So now when I die, I get to have eternity with Christ, right? Now, yeah. from that moment forward, that's the starting line, not the end line, right? This is the starting line of, of faith, of salvation, right? Is like acceptance. Cool, I'm in the race now. Like I, I, I believe in Christ. So now... Every, like the more I love and serve Jesus and the closer I get to him, the more I'm going to act in accordance with how he wants me to go and live. I'm going to spend time in the word. I'm going to pray. I'm going to do things that he has called me to do. I'm going to serve. I'm, and the more that I do that, the more I experience his blessings. Absolutely. 100%. And okay. if I don't do those things, I'm not experiencing the love of Jesus. And it's not just with earthly blessings, right? Like I, like I was driving home from the airport this morning, right? Listening to the song, you know, uh, you reign above it all, right? Tears in my eyes. It just like, just experiencing the power and the goodness of God, right? And, and of Jesus and of all of this, right? And it's like, money can't buy that. Like material things can't buy that. It's just this, this presence, this knowing, this just, oh, thank you, Jesus, right? And it's Bless like, Right. And it's like a lot of people don't get to experience that that are even Christians because they don't ever take the time to study and take the time to go and do the things that are required to have that type of experience. Right. But that doesn't mean they're not saved because they believe in Jesus. Right. That. that, that. And so Earth is this this grounds that we've been given where it's like, listen, I'm coming. We're at war right now. This is a battlegrounds. Right. And it's like my job is to as a Christian is to seek Jesus, to, to serve God, to make him known, to follow him, to love him. And the more that I do that, the closer I'm going to get to him and the more rewards that I'm going to have in heaven in the future. Right. And that's going to look different for each person. Like yep. that's the whole context of it. And so it has nothing to do with the fact that like I'm in heaven right now because there's people that serve God with their whole life and they're put into persecution. Right. And so in my head, it's like that's it's like you, what you do on this earth will determine eternity, but like okay. where you go, if, if there's just two linear places with God, without God, right. And maybe there's multiple different places over here, but it's with God or without God, right. Acceptance of Jesus determines whether you spend eternity with him or without him. What you right. do on this earth determines where you fall in eternity up here. Right. And like, that's what I believe. Does that make sense? And, and, I, and I think that's, yeah, it makes total sense. So. so the concept of somehow we being in heaven or hell here on earth like, yeah, it's hell on earth. We use that term or it's heaven on earth, right? Like things are good or things are bad. But I don't think that that's literal, like, because like we're spiritual. And so this, where I'm getting, I think where I'm getting confused is I'm like, we seem to conceptually agree, conceptually agree that when you die, if you accept Christ, there's eternity with him in some capacity somewhere, right? And that it, if you die and you don't accept Christ, there is eternity without him. 
conceptually, we agree there in some format or another. Yes? 100%. Correct. Okay. So I think where I'm getting hung up on or where I don't understand, like, like your point or what you're trying to say is that somehow we experience heaven or hell or things like that while on earth or that somehow, like, what, explain that. Like, what do you mean by that? So again, I, I think you're taking what you've always learned about hell and about uh -huh. heaven and you're conceptualizing those places because of where you've already- where I, I'm, I'm putting them, I'm putting them external of this physical world. That's right. what I'm doing. So we already, we already talked about Revelation and Genesis. Uh-huh. Beginning and the end of the garden, the heaven coming back here. Agree? Yes. Okay. Yes. Garden? Yes. You, okay. Okay. So is heaven here or is the heaven, are we going somewhere else? Is there some subliminal, is there some outer space place where we're going? And I'm again, going back I'm, to that version of hell that we've been talking about. Show me. The, you know that verse in the in Revelations, and it talks about it too, where there's that great gap, and it's like hell, Gehenna, whatever, or whatever you want to call it on this side. And then there's this where Abraham looks at the, or, the yeah, the, and he's like, may he just dip his one, like one drop of water, right, and like come and put it on my tongue, right? Yeah. And there's this great. So like I would say that like if I had to guess, and this is just I'm just conceptualizing for your thing. Perhaps there is a place where we go that's like heaven, a holding grounds of heaven, like where God is now until it comes back to earth, right? Perhaps. I do think that the Bible does say that God is going to make heaven on earth again and that there is going to be, he's bringing back the garden in perfect communion in the garden and that will be perhaps here on earth in some capacity, perhaps maybe not in how we would assume it, but yes. Does it matter? I don't Fair. think it matters. No, yeah, but it might not matter for this conversation. So I think it, I think the only thing that matters is that God is coming back to restore the covenant that He had put when Adam and Eve sinned. The rest of yeah. that. So now we, you've you've mentioned Revelation a few times. Yeah. So talk to me about Revelation. Like, what is your thought process? Is that is that a book that's talking about the end times, or was that a, a pastor that actually was writing to his church about things that were actually going on at that particular time that we would have known or they would have known at that time? No, I think it's it's a it's a of the end times because it's John that wrote it, and it was it was visions of what's to come. So right? so when John wrote it, he was thinking, man, there's this guy in 21st century somewhere who's going to be reading this and totally understand it. Oh no, mm -mm. but so when he wrote about the beast, who was the beast? Could it be the Roman Empire at the time? So when Jesus, but said it was it, a, it was a vision. It was a vision. He wasn't talking about things on earth. So this was a, his, it was also a letter to his church. Telling him the whole was yeah. revelation a letter written in uh, written in apocryphic language that they would have understood. Book about is a letter written to seven churches as both encouragement and a challenge. Yes, it uses visions and symbolic imagery to offer a glimpse of God's plan for a new creation. Yeah, so so he is writing it to that church, but he's writing. Like, have you ever done? Have you ever done psychedelics? Are you uh -huh. comfortable here? Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. So like, I've done. Like I love LSD, right? I it's a it's, I think it's fantastic, right? And if I were to try to explain what went down on a trip of LSD to someone 
who has never done any form of psychedelic before. There is no concept that I could explain that would remotely be accurate where they could actually comprehend what's going down, right? But like at the same time, that's because like there's things in that vision, there's things in that like that happened in that trip that like make no sense that didn't even exist in this world, right? And so I feel like this is kind of that. Like John's like seeing these visions of things that are to come where he's like, I can't even explain what I'm seeing. There's this these beasts with these horns and these heads and they're like this one. And he's like trying to put it into words, right? Like, and God's given me before this. And he's like, this is what to write. But it's like, we can't possibly comprehend anything of what that actually is. When people are like, oh, the mark of the beast here, or, you know, the vaccine's going to be the, the, the chip. Or like, I'm like, you guys are so full of shit. Like, you have no idea what you're talking about. Like, just come on, like people, right? So like, I look at that and I'm like, that's why I see it. It's not a literal, like, he's not referring to the Roman empire or the, the it's, spiritual it's it's an end times it's a new creation that's coming that's how i view it okay so when when john is talking to the seven churches and he's talking about worthy as the lamb um there was a uh an early caesar his name was domitian uh domitian actually used to require a choir follow behind him and what would they sing worthy oh worthy is the lord caesar almighty so when john is writing this to his churches and he's saying worthy is the lamb it's a complete subversive changing the narrative of what was peace through victory. But Again, Jesus is the lamb. That's who, like, he's lamb, referring, right? Worthy of, is the lamb who was slain, right? But they would have read that and they would have understood that there was a guy who was requiring a choir behind him saying worthy is somebody else. So he's completely, it, it, could it be possible that John wrote that as something a little bit deeper at that particular time than what it would be for today? or 18th century or 17th century? Yes, 100%. But once again, I feel like it would be like writing to someone that's like smoked weed versus someone who has not smoked weed to try to explain an acid trip. And like the people back, you know what I'm saying? Like people back then, they would have been like, oh yeah, like they're the ones that smoke weed because they have a little bit better of an understanding, right? And like the person mm -hmm. never has been super high is like, I don't know what you're talking about. And the person smoked weed is like, oh yeah, dude, I've been high too before. And the guy's like, no, you have no idea what I'm talking about. But like, okay, right? I feel like it's like that. I love the fact that we're using psychedelic drug analogies to talk about. This is the best, right? I love this show. But like, you see what I'm saying? I don't yeah, think but, that it's but like. Let's, but, well, let's let's have that conversation while we're talking about psychedelics then. So do you believe that everyone has a frequency? Yeah. You do? Like that they're, that, they oper that they're operating at? Yeah. And do you think that there is a, there's a reason for the penile gland? So I, to me, we're talking about like psychedelics. You, you mean their own unique frequency? The connection to God. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. frequency is the connection to God. And the only way that we're able to access that through psychedelics is because we're free of ego. And when you learn how to be free oh, of ego. Gosh. Uh, I don't know about that. Really? I haven't thought about it that way. Well, I don't think, but I don't think psychedelics is accessing God. I, I think it's a shortcut to destroying your ego. Uh, sure, so, but yeah. it's certainly not, but it's certainly like, I don't think you're tapped. Like, I don't think when you're on a psychedelic, you're like somehow accessing or speaking to God there. Okay. I think, so I think, uh, so I'm going to uh, recommend that you listen to some of the work by Jock, Dr. Joe Dispenza. Oh yeah, I have. So, yeah. cause he's yeah. actually historically shown in his brain scans that we're accessing something and we're activating the penile gland, which yeah. when you look at the penile gland, 
when you go all the way back to the, the eye of Horus with Egypt, it's actually a side view of the penal gland. So even then they mm. understood that to tap into something different, you had to tap into a different frequency. Yeah, I think so, I think we're was- tapping into more intelligent. I think we're tapping into knowledge and, and things of that nature. And perhaps perhaps one could be considered closer maybe to God. But like we're talking about like God is all everything, intelligence or whatever. I don't think that somehow that's magically like a godly thing to do psychedelics. Like I just think that it's like, removing blocks of your brain of what could be i suppose so so why would it not be godly to use psychedelics i don't think it's not godly i just don't think that it's like i don't think that it's something that's like makes i don't think it's something that's like a a good i don't think it's a good or a bad thing i think it's just a tool right i don't think it's a sin i'll agree with that i think it's a tool but but i think that for me and i I guess i'll tell you from my historical background so talked about being sexually abused yeah we talked about, i laid those things at a cross um, yeah. a couple of years ago i couldn't get past it though so i went on a plant-based journey last year uh with my wife who again Amazing. nearly falling so apart cool. uh went into a different room and immediately god had showed me that for 25 years because we've been together for 26 she carried my abuse. She carried all of the things. There was all yeah. this darkness that was hitting her and he was showing this light. 100%. And for me, I saw my heart. I was able to close the door. I actually saw my abuse. I went up to the room where I was. Yeah. I, at the end of that, he and I were sitting in the bed together. He was crying and telling me it was done to him and I yep. forgave him. So I saw a fight with my mom and dad. I was four. Didn't even remember that fight, but that was the one yep. that shaped everything yeah, you remember saying that. I ever had about money. So it was a fight that I didn't even know why I believed what I did about money. So we have these things in our subconscious that we don't even know why they're there. 100%. So if the average person is 60 to 70,000 thoughts a day, already pre-wired for where they were before, it doesn't matter what you're going to believe, what you're going to say, you're going to have a response to that. So the conversation that you and I are having on hell and uh, in heaven in the interpretation of what we're seeing or reading today or what it was written for back then, they're going to be because of what our subconscious and what we're already there. Now, it's going to be a question of faith and questioning and challenging. What do I believe and why do I believe it? So I'm going to invite the listeners, go back and actually look at Revelation from a historical perspective. What was actually going on when John wrote that? So what did it mean when you were an agrarian nation? And in order for you to participate in the economy, you had to say Jesus was Lord. And if you said Jesus was Lord, then Caesar wasn't Lord. If you're one of the seven churches and you're reading this, you're now trying to figure out how do I participate in the economy through the Roman Empire that's there? How do I stay encouraged? How do I stay all these other things that are going on? I truly do not believe that when John wrote that, he was thinking about you and I sitting here having a conversation 4,000 years later about a pit of all those other things. But I also do believe that like, like you said, I think that, well, let me ask you this because we have have about eight minutes left or so because I know you got to run. Okay. So let me just rapid fire a couple things. Uh, When it comes to revelation, then specifically, do you believe, like, what do you believe about revelation then? So I believe that it was a book written for encouragement uh, to the people at that particular time, place and traditions about what, what is to come. What I think what what was actually going on right now, uh, what was, what was going on at that particular time? I, I truly, again, do not believe that there was an LSD trip or a vision that would 4,000 years from now tell me what was actually going to go on. I do not believe it was a fortune. Interesting. So you don't think it was a, you don't think it was a portrayal of what is actually to come in the end times. I don't. 
Interesting. Wow. Okay. Okay. That's good. We're gonna have to have follow conversation. Second so, question. So the Jews, but again, let's go back to the Jews believe in an end times. Did they, did they, what was, what was their thought process around time? What was their thought process around the end of times? We got to start there. We can't, again, we cannot say. But I, but I don't, but yes, it might've been written to the Jews, but I, I, I very much believe, and we're not going to, for the sake of time, we've got to, we'll, we'll, we'll we got to wrap that. But like, I don't think though, you don't believe that it was a vision of the future and I do. Right. Yeah, and so right. like, if you don't believe that it's a vision of the future, then everything that you're saying makes sense. Right. Yeah. But if you do believe it's a vision of the future, then it doesn't. Right. right. And so we'll have to, we'll have to expound on that. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to like go back to this interview and I'm going to pull out like three or four topics. We'll like decide ahead of time and I will actually do research on them and like come back. I think that'd be super fun. Um, oh, amazing. So yeah. we'll, let's talk about Satan, uh, the Satan, yep, the, idea the, yep. the adversary, not, not the person. Yep. Uh, and one of the things I'll, I would invite listeners to do too, uh, there is a, an amazing uh, website podcast called the, uh, the Bible Project. Uh, have you ever, have you ever seen it? Mm -mm. So uh, amazing. So the Bible Project. Okay. And I'll send okay. you a couple of links. Yeah. And I'll link them down below for anyone that's listening. Food for thought. Yeah. Okay. The Bible project. Okay. Oh, I have seen this. Yes. All right. I know you have to run. So I like here shortly. So I want to wrap up a couple of uh, questions here. This Absolutely. has been so good. This has been so good. I feel like we talked for like 20 hours or more. Oh, it definitely be good. Or it's going to be great. One of the things I'm trying to do with the show, by the way, is I'm trying to get on rather than just doing a wide variety of listeners, I'm trying to get on like dedicated people to like dive into certain topics. So like Brad's like my money guy, we're going to have him on multiple times about like thing. So I think like, it'd be cool to have like a series where we do like a four part awesome. series on like this. I think it'd be super cool to wrap up the conversation on psychedelics though. Just, um, do you believe then that, that psychedelics are like, what's your belief as far as like psychedelics and God, do you believe that they are like they bring you closer to God. Do you believe that they're inherently good, bad, indifferent? Like I believe, I believe they're a tool. Uh, I believe that they can bring you closer to God if it's set setting intention and why you're yep. doing it. Yep. So if you're and just going on a joyride on a bus, uh, you're not going to get any far. And, and I think the question is, why are you doing it then? A hundred percent. So we're in so, agreement there. It's just so interesting how where like when you were like you know I saw these. I do believe that God can use those immensely, and I I encourage many people as long as you know you're in good mental health, right? I think that pretty much everybody should go on a psychedelic trip once in their life. At 100%. least like if the, yeah. you don't, you, you have no idea what, like you don't even understand. It's crazy. Um, so, so I started writing a book. Uh, I, I, let me first say that being in the military for as long as I was I never did drugs. I had no predisposition to drugs. I was the most anti psychedelic person in the world. And when I came back with all this healing, I'm actually writing a book right now called Walking in the Garden, Discovering God Through Psychedelics, uh, because I truly believe that that was the door that uh, I was allowed to close having that three-hour journey with God uh, to where I am. So now, you know, I look at, do I check in quarterly? Um, I do on psychedelics. Yeah. Uh, so I go in with set, setting an intention of what am I trying to get out of it? Yeah. Uh, but then that that has had an immense application to how I read the Bible, how I meditate in the morning, how I actually have communion uh, because I was able to unlock those. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. We're going to have to do so much. I can't wait to read that book. Uh, and like, I'm very pro psychedelics to help you get over the death of my brother. It helped me have a better understanding of God, Hunter, all the things. Hang on okay. Mute me for uh, one sec. Okay. All right, guys, we are going to have a follow-up episode. We're going to wrap it up here. Um, he's just wrapping something up. So we're going to wrap it up uh, here as soon as he gets back. We will have follow-up episodes on this. 
I would love your questions. If you made it this far, shoot me a DM on Instagram, on Facebook, email into the show, um, josh at josh40.com and you shoot your questions over for Alan so that for, for a follow-up episode um, would be awesome on that. So, okay, Alan, uh, for the sake of time, because I know you got to run, I'm going to do two, just two quick rapid fire questions for you. If there would be one one like uh, resource or one belief shift or one topic or thing that you would recommend that people that want to go and understand uh, maybe the way where you're coming from, what what would that be? So actually, I, there are two. Uh, so there's a book uh, you're reading right now, a book by Rob Bell yep. uh, called The Bible. Uh, yeah, what I, is The Bible? Or I would recommend two. Yeah, what is The Bible? Uh, yeah. So I would recommend there's a book called Love Wins okay. uh, by Rob Bell. And uh, actually, one of my favorite ones I've read probably seven or eight times called Jesus Came to Save Christians by Rob Bell. Interesting. So now this guy was a mega pastor. And we think we've talked about this before, too. So Rob Bell was uh, was the, a church of he was a pastor of one of the fastest growing churches in the country. Okay. Uh, in Grand Rapids, Michigan. And when he wrote this book called Love Wins all about God and being, being bigger than just the, what we consider hell, they kicked him out. Mm -hmm. now, there was another podcast uh, that's called the heretical podcast where these guys were actually told by a mega pastor that they were under to go ruin Rob's life. Is that good news? So I'd recommend those two books. Okay. Uh, Love wins. And what was the other one? Sorry. And oh, Jesus just came to save Christians. Christians. Yeah. I'm going to have to. Yeah. I'm, so I'm about to have a kid. I have our first. We're very excited. December. I know. Congratulations. 1st. Yeah, man. December 1st is going to be great. And so we're doing a big, big launch right now um, with Dan Henry, actually. Do you know Dan Henry at all? Dude. So I've heard the name. Yeah. Okay. So we're doing a big fighter challenge or whatever. So do a big launch. And then once the baby's here, I'm taking the month, not completely off. Obviously, we'll, I'll still do coaching calls and like kind of things like that. But I'm basically taking the month to just be with, be with wife, uh, be with baby, all that. Okay. And I'm going to have a month of just studying like that. This is going to be my free time. Like all I'm going to do is be studying God. I'm going to be studying specifically uh, the Quran and Muhammad and things and heaven, hell, like just, I, I want a deeper understanding of Jesus and all this. So I'm going to have to be checking these out. Um, Alan, I appreciate your time. I do have one final question before we get to that. I just want to say, I appreciate your time. This was so much fun. Thank you for coming on. We will have to do it again. Um, where can people find you? Uh, so they can find me on either LinkedIn uh, okay. Or I'll send you the show notes for uh, the new con uh, the new coaching business that I'm getting ready to launch as well. So I have a brand called Host Dad. Okay. Uh, not only Ooh, am nice. I an insurance geek, uh, but uh, I am very passionate about au pairs. Uh, I've written a book called My Au Pair Journey, and I am starting a coaching program to help entrepreneurs uh, connect with au pairs, how to avoid rematch. Uh, and I also have a podcast called The Cost of Doing Nothing, because as an entrepreneur, you know, okay. you ignore things, there's a cost to doing yeah. nothing. 100%. Please send me over all the links to that. We will link everything yeah. below. Go ahead. I, I love this. But, uh, and to me, again, one of the things I, I really want to, uh, to get across, it, we're talking about geography here. I'm talking about the good news. So it's being able to, I, I was just at my new house a couple of weeks ago, and there's a guy who walks in, he's giving me an estimate on my floor. And I'm listening to God because I'm in tune. And, and God is saying, there, he's here for a reason. There's something going on here. Figure out what it is. So I'm I'm talking and I'm and I'm just asking questions and I'm and I'm just listening, and then he starts telling me about the daughter that he had that's estranged. She's 17, and then I start having this conversation about my son, and then God says, "This is it. This is why he's here for you two to connect." So I'm sharing this mm -hmm. good news. He ends up 
He's going to my church, but he's lost in the sea of all of the other people who are trying to discover and experience God through all these rules. And I ended up standing there in the estimated floor that he's doing, praying with this guy, gave him my number. And I said, why don't you just be a dad and tell her you love her? Why you don't need to judge her. Uh, so I think as Christians, we get so hung up on this judging thing. And if I'm not right, you're wrong. Yeah. Uh, and if I'm wrong, you're right. But no one's really questioning anything. So one of the biggest things I'll say to anyone who's listening, question. Don't take my word for it. Yeah. Question. Which is why I respect you a tremendous amount. That's why, yeah, we're having this conversation. Yeah. Love it. Thank you. Awesome. So much. All right. So final question for you then, and maybe this was kind of the, what you just shared. There was kind of the answer is if imagine you're on your deathbed, you're at the end of your life and every single person that you've been called to serve in, in some capacity, whatever that is, not every person on earth, just like the people that you've been called to serve that you've been called to touch. Um, you get to leave them with one final message. They will forget everything else that you've told them, right? But this message, they will believe as absolutely true. No justification needed or whatever, like the, like like whatever this thing is, they 100% believe it and live it and know it. What is that message to them? Uh, that I was able to love freely with no expectations of anything in return. Okay. Alan, thank you for your time, man. I appreciate it. And I think what you said right there at the end is why we connect so well, which is, hey, this is geography. These are details. But I think we both 100% believe in the good news of Jesus and uh, what what uh, the, the amazingness that he, who he is and, and the amazingness of what he's done. So thank you for your time. We'll have to do it again. Guys, as always, hustle, hustle, God bless. Don't be afraid to make money and be influential and all the wonderful things. Just make sure to use that. Say for good, but maybe I need to say for Jesus. I don't know. All right, that's all for today, guys. Let's say Jesus. All right, use it for Jesus. That's all for today, guys. See you next time.